AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS1060 app. Some pretty sweet prizes happening now with the KDOS 1060 app. For a few more days through the end of January, sixth row hoops tickets to downtown Phoenix, all the food, all the drink included. Download the KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users. Make sure you register. That's the key component to all of this so we know who to select as the winner. And then we can get in touch with you when you are the winner. I'll follow along with the listener instructions and get yourself eligible for some pretty sweet hoops tickets. uh, Sixth row downtown Phoenix. In addition to that, uh, for the next couple of weeks, the Waste Management Phoenix Open will be set to come. We have GA tickets for you with the KDOS 1060 app. A pair of tickets to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So get yourself eligible for all of the neat prizes happening now with the KDOS 1060 app. Before we continue on with this Thursday, January 25th edition of The Extra Point, let's reset the scene with today's poll questions, and we'll get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question for a look on the Lions side of things and the perspective and kind of the historical perspective, if you will, of this Lions team winning these two playoff home games, getting themselves to the NFC championship game. You can podcast that conversation Bob had in the sports zone with Ben Raven of MLive.com with the KDOS 1060 app, as well as KDOS 1060.com. But to the question, KDOS 1060.com's poll question, who do you have ATS on Sunday, Detroit plus seven or San Francisco minus seven Detroit out in front here. Now at 67% of the vote, San Francisco trailing at 33%. We will officially provide our answer today around 1230. So still time for you to cast your vote. Tossing this on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Jim Harbaugh, the new Chargers head coach. Do you approve or disapprove? Approve is leading the way significantly. 86.7% of the vote disapprove at 13.3%. We dissected Harbaugh, his career, um, as a head coach in the college ranks as well as the NFL ranks a little bit in hour number one, and we'll officially answer the question here around 12.30 or so today. Um, let's. I thought this would be interesting and fun to kind of talk about the most shocking thing or the surprising thing, and the surprising thing could even be the marvel of consistency <laughs> for the four remaining teams heading into the championship weekend. And starting with the Kansas City mm. Chiefs here, I think one of the things that stands out to me has been the lack of wide receiver production all season, but also here Travis Kelsey's play. And the question here is, is it hurt? versus age uh in 2022 17 games played for kelsey 110 catches 152 targets 1338 yards 12 touchdowns 78 first downs in 2023 15 games catches are down to 93 out of 121 targets he didn't 
hit 1,000 yards, 984 yards, five touchdowns, and 50 first downs. And it was the last time that uh, Kelsey did not hit 1,000 yards as a receiver back in 2015. And actually, he could have, right? Because they sat him out for, you know, a lot of the last two and a half, three games there. Yeah. And, you know, so if he'd gotten his usual snap allotment, uh, I would assume he might have reached some of those barriers anyway. True. Uh, so just kind of curious to, to know if that's kind of the most surprising element is just kind of Kelsey here, his play hurt versus age, the lack of wide receiver production that the uh, Chiefs have faced all season long. Another thing that stood out to me is the emergence of George Karloftis, 47 tackles and 10 and a half sacks. And maybe we could also lump that in with the Chiefs defense as a whole being really consistent uh, start to finish. I would actually, you know, there's no doubt about the offense. I would just say the entire offense would be surprising, not just the receivers, uh, but the offensive line, not just the tackles, even the middle three guys, I bring this up all the time, but the middle three guys were, they played at an enormously high level last year. So it might've been, they may never play at that level again and still be really good players. And they were good players this year, but they didn't play as well. Uh, but to me, the biggest surprise of them is just collectively the defense. Actually, the biggest surprise last year to me, uh, looking back now, is I thought Karloftis would be this good last year because uh, he was a dominating college player. And he had, you know, the, the college, it's you know, one of the things I try to pay attention to with college players who you at least know uh, a year or so ahead before they're actually drafted. I try to focus on them when they play the best opponents. And yeah, Purdue didn't play the greatest schedule of all time. And actually, they, didn't play, they didn't play Ohio State the last couple of years. Uh, so, but when they play, I remember that he had a game against Michigan where you know, they couldn't block him. And you know, they had the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, the best offensive line in college football. Uh, you know, so I thought this dude was going to be an immediate impact in the NFL. I think it's safe to say that he had an okay season last year, but this year he's made an impact. And that whole defense, especially all those young defensive backs who they basically have drafted for the most part in the last two, three years, uh, that whole group collectively has, you know, quite frankly, bailed out the offense, which has been disappointing. And the going back, one other thing about the offense. Yeah, they have sucked in the red zone in a lot of their games. In fact, most of their losses, if not all of them, they've been really bad in the red zone. On to the Ravens here. Has it been Lamar's play in Todd Munkin's offense? Has it been the run game, no matter who the who the running back is? Uh, Lamar, 148 carries, 821 yards. Gus Edwards, 198 carries, 810 yards. Keaton Mitchell, 47 carries, 396 yards. Justice Hill, 84 carries, 387 yards. Well, this is going to be the embarrassing, uh, the embarrassed Bob part of the show here. As if you know, maybe I just embarrass myself, no matter what. But admittedly, I'm embarrassed here because I was wrong about Lamar. I mean, at least in the play, you know, in the playoff game last week, I thought it was maybe not wrong at halftime. <laughs> I was certainly wrong about Todd Munkin, who I, you know, for you know nine months uh, just questioned whether he was going to be able to be a good offensive coordinator or not. 
And, you know, he is – that offense has evolved. Uh, so, you know, I was wrong about him for sure. But to me, the biggest reason the Ravens have reached – maybe not reached this game, but the reason that I think they've improved – the area they've improved the most is, you know, the biggest question we had about them before this season started is are they going to have any pass rush? They led the league in sacks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we mentioned Javion Clowney yesterday. He's been a contributor there, but I think one of the big knocks or one of the misconceptions, maybe the misconception about Clowney, even in his college days at South Carolina, is he is a tremendous run defender. Uh, he blows up plays constantly. I mean, he gets some sacks, but he's a better run defender throughout his college and professional career, more consistent and more impactful as a run defender than he actually is a pass rusher. And the fact that they've been so good in the, uh, and they all, they don't blitz that much because they don't have to, uh, because they've gotten so much out of it. And they've got like seven or eight defensive linemen that rotate. Uh, and it's amazing that they've gotten that many guys to contribute and they've played at this high level. To me, that is you know one of the biggest surprises in the entire NFL this season. Yeah, so Jadavian Clowney, nine and a half sacks in the regular season, 43 tackles. Roquan Smith, 158 tackles, one and a half sacks. Patrick Queen, 133 tackles, three and a half sacks. And then, of course, everyone makes about uh, defensive tackle Justin Matabuke with 56 tackles and 13 sacks. Now, does the... So the linebackers only have five sacks between them. So that just kind of shows my point, proves my point that they don't have to blitz and they don't blitz because they don't have to. And so to that point, um, does that really help set up the secondary? Because we had some questions about the secondary here. Um, but I want to make sure that it's highlighted that Kyle Hamilton, though, is a premier safety. Oh, no doubt about that. And it'll be interesting to see how much he's actually on Kelsey this week, even though they play a ton of zone, uh, which you know, the, the way that their front seven you know, rushes the passer, they can do that. Uh, and that's a very smart move by McDonald, the, the defensive coordinator. That, that makes sense. It makes total sense. And also, you know, two of their you know, top four defense, you know, two of their stud defensive, they got three stud defensive backs when they're all healthy. But, you know, two of those guys have been out, either out, period, and not played or hurting when they did play for a large majority of the season. They've still been able to do this on defense. We'll get to the surprises in the NFC on the other side of the break. There's also a couple of things betting-wise that just caught my attention. I mean, now we're getting to the portion of betting options where there's just so much you could get into the weeds about. Just kind of curious uh, to talk through some of those. We'll do that on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060 is the number. If you'd like to chime in, we'll certainly get to your discussion and thoughts as well. 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, make sure you're downloading that app and taking advantage of the two sweet listener rewards prizes that we have ongoing right now. That's with the KDOS 1060 app. SB Nation Radio is now Sports Map Radio, keeping sports content fresh and fun. Join us right here on KDUS AM 1060. 
1219 here on this Thursday, January 25th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Continuing a look at some of the shocking, surprising things. Surprising could also mean how consistent it was all season long for the four remaining teams in the NFL with championship weekend upcoming. The Chiefs and the Ravens we went through in the previous segment on to the Detroit Lions here. Has it been the offensive line pip? line play I mean they have just been incredibly consistent manhandling people I remember you specifically talking about a prime time game for the Lions uh way back when in September talking about just them getting such a push at the line of scrimmage and it stayed consistent all year long yeah even though I don't think this is surprising because I thought entering the season most people and I'm raising my hand here trust me uh, that uh, thought before the season started that the Lions and the Eagles had the best offensive lines in the NFL. Look at all the first-round investments that they've made. Uh, those guys, for the most part, I think they've all panned out, actually. Uh, but if, uh, if it's been, they've, they've hit at a very high rate. Uh, and then I don't think there's any question, because the Eagles' offensive line did not perform nearly as well as we anticipated, uh, at least I anticipated, uh, that you know this is the best offensive line when healthy in the NFL. Now, unfortunately, Jackson's out this week, and you know, needless to say, they've got a couple other guys that are nicked up and are expected to play. Uh, and this is going to have to do with my. I'll, I'll save this for my answer when we get to the poll question in the next segment. But yeah, you know, Frank Ragnall, he's going to play. I'm sure he's going to play. That dude's always hurt, and he's always playing. It almost never misses any game or any snip. Last week, yeah, he left with two different injuries briefly, but by the time they got the ball back, he was back on the field. He didn't even miss a snap last week, and he has a sprained knee and a sprained ankle. Uh, so you know that's a right now they're not. They're certainly you know you know, you know the fact that Jackson is going to miss this game for sure, and you know they haven't said this or confirmed it, but there are reports out there that he's out for the rest of the season. Uh, but you know, during the season, that they're they're the best, and not surprised at all. There, actually, the biggest surprise I have as far as the the uh, the Lions is actually how consistent they've been from week to week. And you know, they've had tons of injuries on defense, and quite frankly, when they've been intact in their secondary with health, they were not that good in that area. And I think that's a big part of the Sunday game against the 49ers. Also, in fact, they've been terrible in tackling wide receivers after the catch and who does what who does a better job of running after the catch than the 49ers receivers if healthy so that's another big part of that game on Sunday uh but you know the uh, the fact that uh they've been this consistent from really week to week with the exception of that Baltimore game which was a disaster from the start and they just got killed in that game uh, to me, that's the biggest surprise they've been this consistent in uh you know I was skeptical of them before the season started, even during the season, that was also another embarrassing moment for me regarding this NFL season. Uh, the other thing that caught my attention is uh, obviously rookie Sam Laporta, that maybe it was a bit head-scratching for uh, people in the Lions organization to trade TJ Hawkinson within the division, but insert Sam Laporta and uh, there's been no real remembrance of TJ Hawkinson. It's Sam Laporta and he's been f sensational for them. 
Now, I'm not surprised about this at all. Uh, after watching him at Iowa, plus he's an Iowa tight end, God forbid, they're all great as the turns turns out. And, you know, even, you know, if Iowa, you know, their offense sucked this year, but remember they lost their top two tight ends in, like in the first month of the season. And both those guys are going to be in the NFL when they hopefully they're healthy enough to come back and have big time careers. Uh, but I, the, uh, the Laporta thing to me is not even close to a surprise. In fact, I would have been surprised if he weren't a difference-making player in his rookie year with the Lions. For the 49ers, uh, is it the defensive side of the ball with maybe some of the inability here to stop the run? That has been a problem. Uh, I've got a note here uh, somewhere here uh, that it's been like five or six games in a row they've allowed at least 100 yards rushing. To me, if you go long-term or talk about the bulk of the season, yes, that's the uh, the inability to stop the run. And it's basically been the defensive line because they've still, you know, they got the two difference-making, playmaking linebackers who they're making plays all the time. That's not a problem. But to me, the biggest issue from last Saturday uh, is their, their offensive line was terrible in that game against Green Bay. And I know everybody's crapping on Brock Purdy and he sucks now and whatever because of that game. And, you know, he certainly had problems with the, uh, you know, the rain and he's had multiple problems now in some bad weather games at Iowa State and some bad weather games in the NFL. But that dude has no chance to survive last week in a lot of plays because the offensive line, with the exception of Trent Williams, got destroyed at the line of scrimmage. And now they're facing a front seven in Detroit, which is obviously the strength of their defense. Christian McCaffrey, he was able to stay healthy, uh, 564 receiving yards this year, 1,459 yards rushing. Obviously, we know what he's able to do when he's out there, uh, but his availability was certainly there for the 49ers. Yeah, and it really has been since he's been there. I'm not sure. Yeah, you saw him in the first drive of the game last week, uh, last Saturday night against the Packers. They showed him being – they were working on him. I, I, you know, I, I have – I'm in a fantasy football league for the postseason, and McCaffrey's my running back, my main guy. And the very first series of that game on Saturday night, they've got a trainer, like, massaging his leg. I'm going, oh, my God. Uh, but apparently that happens all the time. And uh, you know, no matter what, every game you know, between series, it happens on a highly frequent basis. They even showed him during the game with one of those massage, one of those massage machines or whatever, uh, doing you know, working on his leg himself or just keeping himself you know, you know warm or whatever that topic, whatever the purpose of that thing is, that machine. Uh, so the fact that he, he pretty much has been healthy his entire career. Uh, in the last, you know, the one year plus, what was it like, seven or eight games last year? Uh, he's he's that has not been a problem. Um, I don't know what they did wrong in Carolina because it seemed like he was always hurt in Carolina. Yes, it did seem like that. Um, even even when he played, it seemed like he was always hurt in Carolina. On to some of the like interesting little bet options that I saw that were worth uh, discussing here. So the highest scoring team for the entire weekend slated in is the 49ers at minus 110, the Ravens at plus 270, the Lions at plus 500, and the Chiefs at plus 650. 
the lowest scoring team, the Chiefs at plus 145, the Lions at plus 175, the Ravens at plus 360, and then the 49ers at plus 900. Obviously, these two different uh, locations that the teams are going to be playing in, the conditions might be very different. Uh, It's supposed to be sunny and nice in uh, Santa Clara. Haven't seen much on uh, the Ravens and Baltimore situation, but it's always cold there. Okay, uh, this is up your alley more than mine. I would never even consider betting on something like this. So why don't you answer your own question? <laughs> well, I, I think it's kind of a strategy here, right? Because if you look at the the totals of the game, so you have the total for the Chiefs and the Ravens at 44 and a half and the Lions and the 49ers at 51 and a half. You're obviously thinking that the point scoring is going to be more in the 49ers and the Lions game. So that's why the highest scoring team is sitting at minus 110 with the 49ers. But if you kind of think that the uh, Ravens can get things rolling and take advantage of the Chiefs, then maybe it's worth uh, taking a flyer on some plus money. In terms of the lowest scoring team, it's really hard to think that the Chiefs uh, aren't going to be able to put up points, but they're at plus 145. So it's just kind of uh, interesting here to, to, to look at this here, but I would think that most points would be coming from that 49ers and Lions contest, and I don't know that I want to answer it yet because then I'll be giving away who I think is going to win the game. Okay. my my I'm not pushing back here. That's not the right term, but my concern about that, San Francisco Detroit game would be the fact that you've got two of the key offensive linemen from Detroit, including Jackson, who's out and Ragnow, who's injured and going to play. And we're not, they're not going to be, I can't imagine that they're going to be at a hundred percent optimum level, that offensive line in this game. And then Debo, we don't even know if he's going to play. And it seems as if he may not play. At least as of yesterday, it seemed like it was leaning towards that direction. So those those are two really keys to those two offenses. So I'd have a tough time. If they were all healthy, I'd be betting this game over for sure. I also think the total would be higher than it is. As you're talking now, ESPN has a reporter uh, discussing how Debo Samuel is expected to practice today. So we'll see what that full designation is uh, later on, limited or full, or what that exactly means. But at least uh, getting out there and seeing what he can do is at least a step in the right direction if you're a 49ers fan. But we're not going to know. This This limited. This, these practice reports are so damn bogus. I mean, yeah, limited for one organization is much different than limited for the next organization. Yeah, limited for some organizations, okay, he was on the practice field. The media sees like the first, what, 20 minutes of practice, and nobody, they're not doing anything but stretching then, basically. Uh, that's all the media gets to see these days. We I mean, don't blame the teams for that. You know, I'm, I'm totally in on that with social media and whatever. You can't let any you know, state secrets get out or whatever. But the fact that limited, it's the most, these practice reports are just complete garbage. I mean, it's BS. And like I said, if everybody had the same standards, uh, if everybody were like, you know, I will say that Shanahan's usually been pretty straightforward on injuries. But I was going to use, I think Shanahan and Sean McVay are the two coaches that immediately come to mind. Of course, they're in the same division of the Cardinals. So maybe I pay closer attention to those two teams. I do to some extent in injuries for sure. 
Um, but you know, the, if everybody were like those, if every coach was like those two guys, generally speaking, uh, it would be great. And uh, you know, same division, Pete Carroll. You've never been able to, you know, yeah. You know, I've never believed a word that he said about any injury for at least a decade because we were so badly misled a couple of years, a couple of uh, years into his tenure. Yeah, he basically said guys are you know, going to play, and then we found out later there was no chance they were ever going to play. And since then, fair or not, and it really hasn't changed in my opinion over the years, I couldn't believe anything he ever said about an injury. Most passing yards for the championship Sunday here. Brock Purdy sitting at plus 130. Jared Goff at plus 210. Patrick Mahomes at plus 280. And Lamar Jackson at plus 850. Interesting. Um, because I think you have to factor in here the home versus road Jared Goff. Uh, Jared Goff's numbers, though, if you look at what he's done, been very consistent in the playoffs at home so far. 277 yards versus the Rams, 287 yards versus the Bucks. Uh, Brock Purdy, despite it being um, a rough night, I know the scoreboard kind of dictated them having to throw as much as they did as well. He had 252 yards passing in that contest. Patrick Mahomes, 262 yards versus the Dolphins, 215 yards versus the Bills, and then Lamar Jackson at 152 yards against the Texans. Um, I know that the, the school of thought for a lot of people when they took bets at the beginning of the playoffs when they first started for most pa- passing yards for the entirety of the playoffs was Brock Purdy because you're looking at him having the capability to get it to guys with a lot of yards after catch. But then if you think that the 49ers are the good team, making it as far as the Super Bowl, that he just has the games and the opportunities available to him to reach that number. Now this just being the championship game, one game, uh, you know, who's going to have the most passing yards. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't mean to come. I'm going to sound like a jerk coming across it. I have been betting sports since the late seventies. I have never one time ever bet on anything like this, nor am I ever going to consider it. So I'm the wrong person to ask bottom line. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just kind of fun to, to take a look. It doesn't have to be for everybody and you certainly don't have no, to. No, I to understand that. Those, I totally understand. I have bets. plenty of friends. I have plenty of friends and acquaintances like yourself who does, they do really well on things like this. But, you know, I've just never – I think there's other avenues where I can do better uh, and uh, you know, than getting involved in this. I just – maybe I just don't need to clutter my mind further, which is already cluttered. You <laughs> so know, I think it's interesting. That's my excuse. It's interesting, though, about what I've learned so far in the betting community is that, you know, everyone has certain strengths and weaknesses and how they see things different than other people or better than yeah. other people. And it's really about kind of leaning on people that you trust to help in those, I guess, weak spots or blind spots or whatever or where you're uh, more, more – have better understanding of something versus somebody else. Or hopefully you can you know, develop your own you know, niche of something uh, without assistance from others. I mean, it's always good to get. To, I, I like the confirmation. If I have, you know, I usually have a pretty good idea at the start of a, certainly an NFL week uh, when there's a full schedule, as opposed to these two games this week when I'm not going to have a bet on either game. <laughs> but you know, the fact that. You know, when we have like a, you know, a 14 or 15 or 16 game schedule, 
I have a pretty good idea before the week even begins what directions I might be leaning in. Uh, and when I hear somebody who I consider to be a smart person uh, on the same side, that kind of you know, makes me feel better or confirms my opinion or makes me feel like I'm at least on the right track. Uh, so there, that's for sure. But it's great if you can you know, come up with a niche and something that you're, I, when I was in the handicapping business in Las Vegas, I was kind of known as a guy that bet a lot of unders and did pretty well in some of the high profile games that I bet on. And we, we had a you know, sports service. We had to give out our picks and so forth. That was what I was known for. Uh, so kind of uh, along those lines, I'm still, you know, much favor, much more uh, likely to bet an under than I am an over in any sporting event. Uh, quite frankly, but you know, it's great if you can develop those things on your own and uh, you know, get some help from the outside and just kind of confirmation to make you feel more confident in, w in, your, in, your, uh, in your opinion or thought process. So it looks like here, uh, when we were discussing last week's American Express event with the uh, amateur Nick Dunlap winning, uh, he had some decisions to make and whether or not he was going to return to Alabama and remain as an amateur or if he was going to take up his PGA Tour membership. It looks like he's I made... Saw him on, I, saw, I saw him on TV last night, so he, he, done, he, would, he wouldn't divulge his answer last night, but he has since. He has sense, and it looks like he is set to uh, make his PGA Tour debut as mm. a professional. So he is going to be turning pro, yeah. and he'll be uh, playing at Pebble Beach for his first professional event. Okay, he was rolled tied last night. He was in the crowd as Alabama beat Auburn in uh, in uh, in basketball last night. There was a uh, Alabama finally uh, beat a top ten team. They've played five of them this year. And they hadn't beaten any of them before last night. And I don't think Auburn, quite frankly, in my opinion, should be in the top ten. I understand why they are because they have these great metrics and so forth. But to me, they're, uh, the uh, watching Auburn play doesn't pass the eye test. Sorry, I'm going way off track here. My bad. But anyway, uh, he was a very uh, active and enthusiastic Alabama fan last night for that game. Uh, on when it comes to what's happening currently on the PGA Tour, the farmer and, and he had a really good seat, by the way. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uh, yeah, front row. <laughs> the Farmers Insurance Open round number two is underway. Thomas Dietrich and Kevin Yu are atop the leaderboard at nine under par. Nikolai Hogard in third at eight under par. But as we were dissecting things uh, in yesterday's show, talking about the North Course typically playing easier than the South Course, the numbers yesterday backed it up. The North course's scoring average was 69.703 the south course scoring average was 71.960 and in fact 27 of the top 33 players yesterday uh came from the north course so people taking advantage of the north course north courses scoring and nikolai hogard was actually uh the best score from the south course yesterday at five under par so he's continuing his good play so far today when it comes to defending champion max homa he rallied late yesterday to finish at two under par he's two under par on his round today uh sitting at four under par for the tournament in a tie for 27th Xander Shoffley, who was the odds-on favorite heading in, he's in a tie for seventh at six under par. And Tony Finau, he's also in a tie for seventh at six under par. So that's how things are shaping up so far at the Farmers Insurance Open. But on the other side of the break, it's time for 
poll questions. We answer them next. downloaded the KTUS 1060 app yet? Download today and get all of your favorite local and national shows right on your phone. KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point on this Thursday, January 25th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. It's time now to answer today's poll questions. First up, Bob had a conversation with Ben Raven, MLive.com, chatting all things Detroit Lions. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. Speaking of KDOS1060.com, it'll be our first poll question of the day. And so who do you have ATS on Sunday, Detroit plus seven or San Francisco minus seven? Okay, once again, uh, I can't imagine a scenario between now and Sunday where I'm actually going to bet on this game. Uh, And here's some reasons why. I'll give you some pros and cons here. But for the purpose of the question, I would take the Lions plus seven. Uh, But, you know, the the positives for Detroit here, I think, are the fact that Jameer Gibbs, as we mentioned towards the end of the regular season and definitely mentioned it on Monday, and we talked about it last Friday when we previewed the Lions and Buccaneers game. Uh, I keep using this. I don't know if this is even the right term or not, but I'm going to keep using it. I think he's been unleashed here. Uh, I think they did a really smart thing. You know, basically, uh, you know, be monitoring and the kind of, uh, you know, like an NBA type of thing of, uh, you know, load management with his running attempts because he obviously had some problems staying healthy at Alabama and at Georgia Tech in his college career. And uh, Alabama did a really good job managing this in his one year at Alabama. And I think the Lions have done a great job with that. But, you know, he is a game breaker. And that play, that, that touchdown run, and the dude that he made that move against is Antoine Winfield Jr., who is a tremendous player and a tremendous tackler. And he made him look silly on that touchdown run in the fourth quarter last, uh, last, uh, last Saturday or Sunday, whatever day, last weekend. Um, so he's he's big part of their offense now. And the fact that Laporta, uh, who barely made it through that first playoff game, and it was a miracle he did, and they actually were very smart about that too because they got him the ball all of, a bunch of times early in the game, probably realizing this, we may, he may not even make it through the game. But obviously last Saturday he was healthy and looked like he was totally healthy. He caught nine passes on 11 targets against the Buccaneers. Those are the good things. The bad thing is two things in the offensive line that I already mentioned. Jackson uh, is not going to play this week. They're excellent left guard. Their center Ragnall is going to play, but you know he's got ankle and uh, he got a sprained ankle and a sprained knee. Uh, so those are definitely negatives for them. As far as San Francisco goes, the offensive line thing, as I mentioned previously, a big concern to me because they got used in the offensive line. And that was the biggest question I had for the 49ers before the season started. Other than Trent Williams, how's this going to work? Uh, remember, they lost the right tackle uh, to Denver and free agency, and they really didn't seem to replace him or anything close to that. And I think we saw some signs of that last week. And then there's the Debo injury, obviously. And just to give you an idea, Debo, when Debo's on the field, 
the Niners average one yard per play more when he's on the field. That's an enormous amount. That may not sound like a big deal. That is an enormous difference with just one dude in the field, one yard per play more when he's out there. And the other thing is that they've now allowed at least 100 yards rushing in five of the last six games. And you know the Lions, assuming they are healthy in the offensive line, they want to run the ball. Uh, so I'll take the Lions for the purpose of our question plus plus the seven. Yeah, so it's kind of tough here because we have the evidence of home versus road and what that looks like for the Lions. But now we're in the playoffs here and intensity is a lot different. And the opportunities of what's in front of you are a lot different. The Lions second, secondary has certainly had issues at times being exploited and run after the catch options can be abound for the 49ers ahead however uh aaron glenn has done a great job here in these last two playoff games kind of finding ways to limit some of those catches or in in some some cases it's just one wide receiver having a great game it's not the whole wide receiving unit having a great game um also in addition to this if debo samuel doesn't play numbers show that nearly two yards per play less for the 49ers if debo is in the lineup so him being out there and being effective i think is important for the 49ers the 49ers have shown susceptibility to the ground game and the Lions can certainly hit you with Montgomery or Gibbs. The weather is supposed to be much better, so that's not going to be an issue for the 49ers who are slipping, changing their cleats, etc. And for Brock with the football. Uh, seven points, though, is certainly a lot of points in an atmosphere such as this. So I guess I would lean in the direction of Detroit plus seven. I will say that if they were totally healthy on both sides of the ball and we knew that guys were going to be able to get the key players were going to be completely, you know, 100% and ready to go, I'd be laying the points in this game. But they're not, so I'm not. Uh, the Detroit plus 7, 69% of the vote. San Francisco minus 7 at 31%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Tossing it on over to X at KDOS AM 1060. Jim Harbaugh, the new Chargers head coach. Do you approve or disapprove? Uh, I approve. You know, one, he wants to be back in the NFL, so he's excited for the chance to lead an NFL franchise yet again. Uh, we discussed it in hour one quite extensively that he's won everywhere that he's been. He also has a quarterback that's going to be top 10 in the league, so he can build around from there. I know that there's going to be some salary cap things that they're going to have to figure out, but um, he's definitely proved to have that football acumen so i think this is a good fit for him i agree with all that i'll just add one more thing about the salary cap thing and that they're in salary cap hell but we've seen teams get around that but i do think i saw a list of some of the guys they have under contract or they're kind of quote stuck with for a while they're they've got some guys that they're paying way too much money for for the results that they've gotten back including joey bosa who you know, when he's even healthy, which hasn't been all the time, I don't think there's any doubt that he has not played at the level for the most part of his NFL career as expected. Uh, so they've got they need their big money guys to play like they're big money guys, or at least what they're getting paid, and that hasn't happened. They've got major roster problems. I mean, their offensive line, which was obviously a strength of Harbaugh at Michigan, it, it's atrocious. 
uh, with the exception of the left tackle from Northwestern. I never remember this guy's name. Uh, but uh, the left tackle from Northwestern, and he was hurt for a lot of this season. Corey Lindsley, their stud center, unfortunately is going to have to retire because of health reasons. He's got a heart condition, and he's going to have to retire. So that's another guy. He didn't play that much this season. Uh, but they're, they're a mess roster-wise. I approve of this for all the reasons you mentioned, and I'll add one more. Uh, actually, it was kind of weird. For the first six years, Harbaugh was in Michigan. I uh, didn't want him to leave because Ohio State won all those games. The last three years that he was at Michigan, they won those games against Ohio State. So now I'm thrilled as thrilled as could be that he's out of there. See you later. Bye. Good luck to you in the NFL. The masses are on the approved side of things at 86.7% of the vote. Disapproved sitting at 13.3%. This is over on X at KDOS AM 1060. We wrap things up on the other side of the break this Thursday, January 25th edition of The Extra Point. As a reminder, download that KDOS 1060 app, Apple and Android users, and get yourself eligible for a couple of pretty sweet prizes that we have ongoing. The sixth row hoops tickets, downtown Phoenix, all the food, all the drinks. That contest ends the end of January, so you better get involved soon. Make sure you register so we can figure out who you are uh, to appropriately assign our winner. And then the Waste Management Phoenix Open coming back to Scottsdale in a couple of weeks. We have GA tickets uh, for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we'll be selecting winners for that golf tournament get involved now with the kdos 1060 app one final segment to go is next check out the doug gottlieb show monday through friday 1 to 3 p.m right here on kdus am 1060 Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you for a few more minutes, but it's that time once again. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today with an NFC Championship game preview and lots of Lions discussion and some Michigan talk with Jim Harbaugh uh, with Ben Raven from MLive.com. On Friday at 10.15, we'll have a uh, NFC Conference Championship game discussion and some NFL coaching carousel talk. I'm sure that Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh will come up with this in that uh, discussion with Josh, Josh Alper from Pro Football Talk. Also, Sound of the Day, courtesy of Fox, NBC, 3TV, and also ESPN. Plus, as always, uh, special thanks to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. Up next from 1 to 3 p.m., it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6, and NAU men's basketball is taking on Idaho in Moscow, Idaho tonight. Pre-game set for 6.30 p.m. and uh, tip-off at 7 right here on KDOS AM 1060. Mitch Stroman has the call. Um, you gonna throw up the jump ball in that game? You know, having gone to you know ASU and you know, also Idaho. 
Well, you know what? Uh, they didn't call and ask me to, but that would be cool. Yeah. You should like it's like the coin toss or something, the jump ball to start the game. Yeah. You should be there for that. They should have called. They they screwed up. They did. They did not call me for that. They didn't call me for okay. a coin toss. They didn't call me to like start the the track and field races. Like I, there's so huh. many things I could have started. Well, you, you get a hold of them and maybe they'll you know, remember and they'll do it next year. <laughs> Maybe, although I'll have to say I'm not coming January 25th. <laughs> it's a uh, little I'm just, cold. I'm just, I'm just trying to help. There you go. Well, yeah, that's true. No matter whether it's in Flagstaff or lovely, lovely downtown Moscow, where I've never been. Yeah, you know, Moscow, Idaho actually has a pretty cool downtown atmosphere. There were All plenty right. of little restaurants and bars that we hung out at. So, yeah, it was nice. Okay. It was cool. It was quaint. Down Downtown Flagstaff used to be great for training camp. Uh, I, I might have frequented a bar or two in downtown Flagstaff and run into Denny Green in some of those bars, by the way. Uh, and then he would be late for practice the next day, and I was there. The other place that was uh, great, too, to hang out was Winco, the 24-hour food store. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Do all your shopping at Winco and then get the heck out of Dodge. <laughs> you could do a spot for them. I could. There's there's plenty there of Winco's here in Phoenix now. I don't even know what Winco is. Oh, Bob, you got to go. It's great. Okay. Yeah. It's it's all right. If you're a fan of um like peanuts, you can get them yeah. so much cheaper at Winco in the bulk okay. than you can at the, any other store. So okay. Now I'm divulging that I like peanuts. So there you go. So so noted. All right. <laughs> That'll do it. Friday spread is coming up tomorrow in the extra point.